Hi there, welcome to the Way Beyond Words podcast, hosted by me, Peter J. Ryan, and Abel Z. Each week you will be dropping in a conversation of ours about the techniques, psychology, and philosophy of experiential focusing, and our favorite philosopher, Eugene Genlin. Thanks for joining us. So let's talk a little about the way that focusing practice can support one's spirituality or religious practice or whatever one believes as ethics, you know, that, that whole thing that is religious, spiritual, ethical life. How does focusing support that? Uh, I think the first thing that comes up for me in that is it's like a deep clarity and like finding a deep clarity in spirituality and like what it really means to like us as individuals and our experience of spiritual practice. One of the, uh, I really, I just don't like the word spirituality because it implies the dualism between like experience and the body. Yeah. Right. So I, I don't know how to get around that, but. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't really know either. I mean, I am a determined atheist and I absolutely believe that we die and we die with it <laughs> and that's it. Um, except that we, you know, we produce all these effects in the world that continue, right? All these effects in the world that continue. I think that I, I don't feel like I wouldn't describe myself as an atheist because I do get this overwhelming kind of godly sense when I think about uh, like nature or just kind of anything of how the world interacts and like how vast it is and how you know everything kind of like is interdependent on each other just mm. in relation and environment like that feels so spiritual to me yeah it's so intricate it's so vast it's so interdependent it's so endless and beginningless yeah it's yeah so awe oh yeah i love that that feeling but it's a body feeling it, it is definitely a bodily feeling and so to to notice that that awe versus like some people bring like yeah they 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 separate their bodies from their spirituality most of the time when they are thinking about it mm -hmm. it's something else it's something bigger than me it's something it's something like controlling things there's like fate like spiritual chances they try it's a kind of denial that that one that remarkable feeling of awe and uplift and interconnectedness and also transcending your own little self is um is a body feeling but i think that uh, many of us have been in culture to see that as the expression of the spirit as separate from the body mm -hmm. not a body feeling mm -hmm. so for me what Focusing, how focusing supports my Buddhist practice, my latent Catholicism, my longing to be in, with, of nature, is that when the feeling comes, focusing has allowed me to develop a sustained staying with it, letting it change and move. That kind of long attention is something that I really learned from focusing of feeling the bodied sense staying with it noticing it as it's changing and 
shifting and shape and feeling. It's very satisfying. Yeah. That I did not get from Zen practice. It was when I started focusing and brought that into my Zen practice that it started to really come together. So would you say that your Zen practice started like as a way, as like more of like a deep kind of schedule thing, like a, like just like a really deep practice, like more of like a physical practice of yeah, martial arts and all that. My right. first, my first teacher wasn't super insightful in in these ways that have become important to me, but the discipline and yeah. the determination that was a pretty important start. Yeah, and um, also you know getting back into just experiencing my body. So I um, mm. one of the things the training in sword in Shimgum Do. The weapon part of it was ex was really disturbing and disruptive to me. Oh. I, I, yeah, I had a lot of um, there was a lot to that, and um, I got no help with that. So what I began to, and then when I, I started training and focusing when I was in graduate school, I um, in my forties, I I started to be more comfortable with the intense discomfort of training with a weapon. And then um, it sort of settled down and opened up into something different mm. and new. But I had to get through some something that was really disturbing. So when you started your Zen practice, like when you were that age, did you feel like really, yeah, like you're kind of moving in back to your body, but it wasn't like per se very analytical maybe? I don't know how to put it. Like you were just, you wanted to do it. You wanted to like yeah. be involved. My temperament is pretty intellectual. Yeah. And uh, so the really intensive body practice was really helpful to cut all that off and to, and being very anti-intellectual. Mm. That was really good for me. And then I, for about 10 years, I didn't, um, I in a way denied that important part of my character. Right. Myself. Right. And focusing also allowed me to bring that back in. Yeah. There's a very strong tendency in Zen Buddhism to be anti-intellectual and um, which is a, a very much an American and Western thing, and it's very, very much not a Zen thing. Um, it not, you know, not depending on intellectualization is really important training, but being anti-intellectual is absolutely not part of Zen tradition. Coming from East Asia, it's an American thing. Because of this like sensation of needing to like cut off thinking and like make everything quiet and like kind of this suppressive of becomes yeah, another and that becomes another way of suppressing yeah yeah i can another, see that another technique of control and doesn't really create a better sense of like reality and what is happening in front of you it just separates yourself from it still yeah what are you what are you aspiring to be a statue of a buddha <laughs> yeah. or a person right right and and so you know even being able to say that comes from you know a lot of study of of Asian texts over the years, but having knowing what that means for me is what I got from focusing. So focusing, I think, supports the meaningfulness of religious practice mm -hmm. and the ongoing insight and development and change of religious practice right, right. in a way that our traditions in the West often do not support. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Like if I had not gone into studying Taoism and then Zen and then for instance I had stayed nominally Catholic and then returned to it if I had 
been training and focusing, I think my Catholicism would have been every bit as profound and engaged as my practices. And sure, well, you know, like Jesus in nature. <laughs> I'm not sure what you mean by that. Oh, I just, I guess, I uh, have. I like going to like Catholic abbeys. Oh yeah. And a lot of the themes, most of the time at the abbeys, have to do with finding Jesus in nature. And there's something so bodily and involving about that. The meditative communal tradition of Catholic monasteries and training communities mm -hmm. is really great. Yeah. And without a doubt, excuse me, without a doubt that um, the thirst for that is what attracted me to Zen. And then my disappointment at how Zen is so often practiced as an individual quest was really something that I had to um, think through yeah. critically. Yeah. Excuse me. Especially after getting so involved, right? Yeah. yeah. Critical thinking is absolutely crucial in spiritual life. It's another really wonderful thing about the Catholic tradition. It, it did try to incorporate the body. It does engage the intellect. It has failed over the years, but it's there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that is that from the Experience Studio at Counseling Confidence in Doylestown, PA. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Abel. And thank you, Mike Whartonby, for producing this. Join us next week. And in the meantime, have fun. <laughs>